Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh, yeah. I get around. Still clown when the underground when we come around. Yo, this B. Welcome to Sportive episode 128. Uh, with me, as always, is the one and only John Martheller. Hi, John. Hey, Brandon. How's it going? Oh, it's going. And I also have uh, Stu. Hello, Newman. Or do you have Stu? That's the real question. How the hell did we lose Stu before he even... <laughs> before the podcast even started. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty sure Stu will be joining us at some point. Um, <laughs> Boy, you know, you'll leave for one week, Brandon, and the whole thing just absolutely falls down. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's not good. It's not good for anybody, actually. It makes me feel a little bit better, I suppose, to, be, to have everything go to shit. Did you quickly. listen to the podcast last week? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did my best. I didn't listen to the whole thing. I mean, you know, God bless you guys for caring about the wild, and I try to, but you know, you got through a little bit of little bit of first few minutes of it, and that was good for me. So I pr- I probably got through two thirds. I count on the download statistics if that if, yep. you, if that matters to you. I try to download the podcast probably 150 million <laughs> times just by myself. Good for you. In the hopes of getting the download numbers up. So Go to your what coworker's I, computer. I've gone on the Amazon in the cloud, and I've created sort of a farm of machines that are all set up to automatically download the podcast. And that's really all that they're there for. I pay a tremendous amount of money to have 150 different machines running in the cloud. But it's the price you pay for the utter lack of advertising that we have on this podcast. It's great. It's great. Someday. If Stu ever comes back, maybe. You got to spend money to not make money. That's what I learned. Stu, does your mic work yet? Can you guys hear me? Yes. Hi, Stu. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. (laughs) Welcome back, Stu. Okay. Um, We don't have Clarence just yet. uh, Hey, guys. uh, uh, How's it going? There you go. That way. Uh, Clarence will be joining us uh, hopefully a little bit later. We are going to talk uh, baseball playoffs. We're probably going to give a little Vikings preview um, and maybe other sort of, you know, on the outskirts teams, maybe a little gophers, wild, what have you. And then we'll finish up with an Ask Sportive. We've got a few um, reliably ridiculous questions from our listeners. So thank you all for those. Yep. Um, let's start with the playoffs. We saw just recently um, tonight, earlier, 
one of the most insane baseball games I think anyone has ever seen. So, John, you didn't get to watch it. Is that correct? I did not get to watch it. I'm going to need somebody to explain what was happening because as this was happening, it, it sounds like, let me see if I have this correct, a throw back to the pitcher yep. deflected off a hitter and allowed a run to score? Yeah, you have that exactly right. Russell Martin was throwing it back yes. to the pitcher, and it hit Chin Chin Su Chu uh, just accidentally. Chin Su Chu, who was in the batter's box, who was just standing in the batter's arm, box, like, bat extended almost. Yeah. But yeah, it uh, deflected off of Chu's bat. It went in between third base and the pitcher's mound, and uh, Rugnet Odor. Going to repeat that, Rugnet Odor. <laughs> correctly ran straight home the minute he saw the ball was in play and at about halfway down the third baseline the um home plate umpire dale scott you know does the timeout gesture like, so like none of the uh blue jays go run for the ball although there's no way they would have gotten odor at the plate in time there's they were not close enough to get the ball to get him out at home so he calls timeout and um then there's a conference and then they signal the run is good and then literally thousands and thousands of cups of molson are thrown onto the field and (laughs) they go into a long review of the play and the run stands which means thousands and thousands more cups of molson bob casey all to the ground bob casey reanimated now stop this quit this now stop that oh it was glorious. I it was just so for a very polite nation, Canada gets really <laughs> cheesed off sometimes. Canada has when it comes to sports especially, Canada really has a reputation of being nice that does not work for them. Yeah, the city of Vancouver would agree with you, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Vancouver Canucks the cops fans, at least would. who are some of the worst human yeah. beings on earth. It contains Toronto Maple Leafs fans who you know when Yankees fans start getting mad at their team? And mm-hmm. it's like, all right, guys, whatever. You paid $3,000 for that seat. Watching you pretend that you actually care is kind of, it's, it's touching. It's, it's almost cute. Anyway, that's the way Maple Leafs fans are. They're just absolutely nuts, even though their team hasn't won a thing in 50 years. <sighs> Canadians fans are, if you took the entire SEC and wrapped them into one town... And also, that town didn't speak the same language as the rest of the country. Imagine just how insular and how insane the Montreal yeah. Canadiens would be. And that's Canadians fans. That's ex- that's everything about Canadians fans. That's a brilliant analogy. I uh, guess what I'm saying is the Canada is terrible. And you really are nice. saying that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice when really, things you know, like this happen. Yeah, yeah. It was um, tough because the, uh, it uh, you would. The umpire did call time halfway through, which is yes, not a good did. thing. Although, you're no. right, Stu. He would have scored anyway. It's such a weird thing. I don't know what else he could have done. I though. wish I mean, that we were all grown up enough it's... as fans to be like, when something this weird and unprecedented happens, they just go, do over. We don't, we don't know. This is weird. Let's just do it over. Because I think... If you took emotion out of it, that would be the the if sort this of. If it happened on like April twenty seventh, it's just uh, April twenty seventh in front of like eleven thousand fans on a Wednesday afternoon. No one would have given a shit. Yeah, totally. 
but it's just... Or less of a shit, at least. Yeah. Nobody knew the rule, but it, I guess that's kind of what... they. I think they made the right call. I mean, that's kind of what you have to do. Martin, you probably... I know it was a mistake, but the, it is in play. <laughs> so you Shouldn't can't you? bounce it off the other team, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it would have been one thing if two had turned around yeah. and somehow deflected the throw, like held his hand up to deflect the throw. Then it's probably a dead ball. But if you can't throw the ball back to the pitcher without hitting the guy that's standing right next to you, that's kind of your own fault. It's like the once a year when somebody airmails the pitcher with a throwback to the mound and a run scores. I do worry that uh, the Pierzynskis of the league are going to try to accidentally oh, yeah. get caught, you know, yeah. deflecting a ball. Now, I hope that this offseason they just say, if it ever touches that batter, no matter what, it's a dead ball. Because it doesn't well, benefit the, the defense ever to have it graze off the... The batter. I guess the never best possible rule is that this rule is only in effect for AJ Pierzynski. <laughs> it's the AJ because him and maybe <laughs> Dustin Pedroia and probably Bryce Harper are probably the only three people stupid enough to try it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So that part sucked, and I was rooting for the the um, Blue Jays beforehand, but not in a desperate, crazy way. But after that, then I was really hard rooting for the Blue Jays, just because I don't want to. I don't want to talk about that play anymore and hear about it <laughs> for like the next twenty years. No, or whatever. God, so I was like, just Jesus, just dreading something the else. Season talking about that, right? So then the next inning, John, I don't know if you're fully cut up. The um, Rangers, in some sort of weird karmic, we'll just give this all back to you, made three errors in a row in the same inning. <laughs> three of no, them. No, not just not just the Rangers. Elvis Andrews himself. All three of them were on Elvis Andrews. Poor guy, like this poor man, just was like, no, I don't know how to do anything anymore. But didn't some other I dude like misplayed something? Didn't he? Going to storm the field and kill him. I think <laughs> yeah. that honestly, God, I think he was he was fearing for his life, and it was affecting his fielding. And he's like, you know what? I'm... So don't 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 ever like see fans don't have an impact on the game. But he's like, I'm young. I have other seasons. I might as well not just try to win this one because I'll die afterwards. So it makes perfect sense Correct. in the long run, which I think is great. But. There was another play that wasn't an error, but it, he, uh, guys just sort of didn't seem to make a very good play on it. So, like, four basically gifts. And then Jose Bautista came up and hit one, like, 900 feet with two outs and the game died. It was just it was just the, the most incredible, magical moment. Ever. He, yeah, I, you're yes. going to have to watch the find a bad flip, John, because I'm was, trying to watch the bad flip right now, and my computer is failing to play this but apparently the bench is cleared because of this bad twice. flip they they cleared they cleared twice john and that's that is a good bad flip yes yeah yes. um cuz i mean <laughs> I, I think edwin edwin encarnacion came up oh john is seeing this for the first time and he's losing <laughs> he his shit as he should he just stood there <laughs> like he was in professional wrestling and then he whipped the bat yes, <laughs> yes. what a moment uh, anyone it was the most beautiful. It was better than the home run, and the home run was immortal. It's a home run that's going to be like you know talked about for decades. And I the back flip was better than the home run. Oh, it was so great! But the, and, the bench is yeah, clear. And, and the only two... go ahead, yes. Stu. Well, Encarnacion came up to the plate afterwards, and the catcher started John Adam about um, Bautista pimping the home run or whatever. And Encarnacion was like. <laughs> pretty much fuck you so, <laughs> so the benches came out and there was you know the jaw jacking and whatnot and uh then at the end of the inning um the pitcher like uh Tulwitzki had the third out he like popped up 
and he just stayed at the plate watching the pop-up happen. And the pitcher, who had just, you know, given up 900 feet worth of home runs, <laughs> just came to the plate and kind of gave him a hip check on the way back to the dugout because hockey night in Canada. And so the benches cleared again at, at right at the end of the inning, which was a 53-minute inning, by the way, which is really, like, that's Yankees-Red Sox long. Yeah, yeah. that's Yankees-Red Sox on April 9th long. Yeah, it was, exactly. uh, it was worth the, every the record second. record is like them. an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. It oh, was yeah, fantastic. It was, it was great. And um, the only two people online who have been upset about the bat flip have been the guy who gave up the home run, Mm-hmm. And Brett Myers, who is a man who hits women. So, yep. yeah. There's, for your anti bat flip, uh, the the uh, people who are against uh, Joy, um, there's 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 some good guys on your side, right? I there. don't know if Brett Myers guys who is sore heads and women hitters. That's so. your team, right there. Brett Myers was also, I think, not only did he hit a yep. woman, but I'm pretty sure he punched her in public, which isn't worse in any way yes, it's just a really daring yeah. brazen thing to do like i just wonder if he was like ah, really like, i'm brett myers with this i'm an athlete and an ass yeah. yeah i can just punch so, a woman i believe he actually yanked right. her by the back of her hair or something like that he's just you know good good guy all the way so yeah you want anti-bat flip folks you have a problem with bat flips there's there's your team good I call mean, guys but the pitcher uh what's i don't even know his name did give some pretty choice quotes about like he's out there playing backyard baseball and it's like setting an example for the kids it's he like, actually brought up the kid think he actually used the, the, someone think of the, think of the children i just want to remind oh him that God. you're all playing a backyard game yes. for a living that's literally mm. your job is to play a backyard game you should be having fun doing this and i don't know what the <laughs> origins or if it's a problematic <laughs> term anymore but that was the most butthurt quote I have ever heard in my entire life. To be fair, I, I have played backyard <laughs> baseball against Dave, and I flipped the bat after a homer, and then there was a fight, just like the major <laughs> league game. Should be. And the fault was Dave's for letting you shouldn't have, he shouldn't have left one up and yes. let you clobber it. <laughs> well, the fault was mine. Mostly mine for provoking Dave up to the point of fighting and then panicking. Like, oh, crap, this very (laughs) angry person is going to try to kill me now. Another thing that I think is just ridiculous from these um, bat flip haters, I I think I saw Roy Smalley make a, or I don't even know if it was actually him, um, make a comment was like, well, what, should pitchers just do a whatever every time they strike somebody out? I have two points about that. Number one, they already celebrate like crazy (laughs) when they strike guys out. Yes. Number two, a home run is way more <laughs> fucking difficult to do than strike a guy yes, out. They all do. Kershaw strikes out 250 guys a year, and the home best home runner hits 40. Like, it's way better to, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it swings an entire game when you hit a home run and a strikeout. But they all do it anyway. If, so. you, if you're a Minnesotan, okay, if you're a Minnesotan and you think Bautista was over the line, I hope you're still upset about Kirby Puckett showing up Charlie Liebrand rounding the bases in game six with all the fist pumps and just classless as far as I'm concerned. He had a little bad flip at the end there, too. That little thing at the very end, he just sort of flipped yeah, it out of his did. hand. He absolutely did. So, yeah, if you got a pro- if you have a problem with Jose Bautista, you fuck it. Who is dead? So, nice, nice job, anti bat flip people. Yeah, yeah just you're bitches. Making, you're pissing on a dead man's grave right you. now. Just imagine 
Jack Morris doing the start the lawnmower fist pump after striking out a guy in that game. Yeah. How Blasters. about uh, every Jack strikeout Morris. from Juan Berenguer for two years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about everything Juan Berenguer ever did? <laughs> ever did. Not enough. His raincoat and his briefcase. I still, I still don't think enough is talking about him showing up with a raincoat and a briefcase. Where and was he going? <laughs> what was in the briefcase? We found out later he was a private <laughs> eye in his free time. I'd love to noble. believe it was just a sub sandwich in the briefcase. <laughs> just one just single hoagie. <laughs> he pulls out like six churros. Mm. Hey, our, our guy Pat Nishek's in the game. Oh, oh yeah? Now I'm... Oh, okay. Go, Pat. Go, Pat. I don't have the game up, John, because my computer was freezing up. What is the score of the game, John? Kansas City's leading Houston 4-2 to two in the bottom of the seventh inning, and every pitch I've seen so far, the catcher has managed to throw the ball back to the mound without hitting anybody. That's incredible. I, I don't know how it works, but... So I don't... Huh. We try not to... And I, I do mean we try not to because we do it almost every episode. But we try not to react to things going on in the moment... I do the live play-by-play, but um, and I hope I'm wrong about this, but I am so unbelievably bummed that the Royals might look like they are going to beat the Astros. Are you guys also sad, or do you care that much, or what? Absolutely sad, I guess. I would be okay with either. I'm okay with either. I, I really don't have a thing against the Royals. I'm okay with either team. I don't necessarily have anything against them, like I've always hated them or anything. It's just the Royals have hit just a thousand singles and have a good bullpen and the Astros are all like 17 years old and Jack bombs left and right. And they're the crazy, crazy underdogs that weren't supposed to be here. Um, I have an extra special because they're, they're like the crazy analytics guys. So I always have a soft spot for those guys, but, um, and the Royals are kind of dinosaurs in that department, but, um, but overall that's not really the case. It's just more about like how fun would it be to have, the uh, these young children with, I may add, Carlos Gomez on their team. For them to oh, have to go God, home is just go. the saddest. Elder ever. statesman, Carlos Gomez. Elder statesman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go. Unbelievable. So that's, uh, God, I hope I'm wrong. And we figured it out halfway through. Um, halfway through, because Blue Jays Astros to me would be one of the most, one of the best, like, I can't lose for teams I like scenarios in the past many many years um and it ain't gonna happen so that's sad but anyway go blue jays now it'll be easier to cheer for those guys blue jays cubs would be fucking rock do we there there seems to me to me to be an undercurrent with royal sands and i think it's worth remembering that royals fans share share a state with cardinals fans and I'm starting to think that Royals fans are starting to think that the Royals are good because they believe, which is dangerously close to Cardinals fandom. They're getting a little haughty. They're getting a little uh, full of themselves. Is that what They're you're getting saying? a little bit like, boy, I didn't think the Royals had them, but the fans just came together and carried them. You know, like all that kind of bullcrap that Bill Simmons would always spout about yes. how the Fenway Park crowd just wouldn't let the Red Sox lose in big games, even though... They'd spent 75 years doing just that. Yeah. Now, you, grow, you grow up with uh, George Brett and Dan Quisenberry and Amos Otis and Paul Splitorf and all that crap. You're going to spout that stuff, too, Be because it's just ingrained. Then you, When you grow up and they're good, it's like, well, that's how things are supposed to be, and that's because we were good fans. 
It's yeah, it is funny though. Um, Ned Yost, when they when they won the game before, he was like, "I know it's going to sound weird, but I just knew they were going to win no matter what." And it's like, well, what about all the games you lost this year? <laughs> you just didn't nope, didn't get that decided feeling. not to cheer then, and nah, I didn't wasn't watching those games. Decided not to believe in that one. So it's just very weird to I. It's just a. I know I'm in the the very I think we all are we just this need for sports fans and God bless it I think it's totally fine but like needing a narrative you know like after the game of it's you tried hard or you believe more or whatever not just like that was fun crazy shit happened and that team won because they were better or they were luckier and not like that extra layer of whatever I just never made any sense to me um, but it does seem to be something that people do all the time and need to do. Yep. But and, that's not true just in sports. That's true in everything. Look at, like, political debates. Immediately afterwards, everybody has to be like, well, the story of tonight's debate was blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not just sports and politics. Jim Webb killed a guy. That, <laughs> that was the story of last night's debate. Can, can somebody explain to me, just real quick, who is Jim Webb? Oh, God, I have no idea. I purposely He's have no the, idea. Uh, former former senator from Virginia. And he's the, the only senator for president Virginia. to tell the story about how he killed a guy? He killed a guy. No, they asked him, like, an enemy that he's made that, you know, who was yeah. someone, and he Although, just said, I mean, oh, I, I made an enemy uh, with a guy I killed. It's like, whoa, he Jesus. Won, like, I, I read something. He's he won, like, a of. silver star and stuff for it. So, I mean, he's a war hero, but mm-hmm. it also involved hopping around and throwing mines into holes in Vietnam. Yeah, well, anyway, that was his enemy, the guy he yeah. killed. Well, that's terrifying, and yeah, yeah. Do you know your enemy. Just, just you. Know, obviously, these guys just that are not showing up in any poll get desperate at some point and just start screaming things, and yeah. uh, that's the thing that he chose to or, scream. Or the or Ben Carson and Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they'll do the, they'll do they'll do that. Too, so yeah, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, um, there's, there's your political corner here for the sportive podcast for the evening. Yeah, I don't, I don't care about the political piece so much. I just want to know why Jim Webb apparently is running for president only to talk about his talk about war stories. Well, you know, it's a weird reason. If you've been to a Legion or a VFW, you'll know that's a very popular thing to do. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, the Astros are now down to three outs. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I'm watching. I'm watching via the internet. So, oh, okay. As, yeah, on this feed, the game's in the third inning. Okay, yeah, you've got a lot of you've got a a, a twelve hopper for the Royals to score the go ahead run. By the way, which is fine, but it's just such a bummer. Yeah. Like, ugh, this is the. Ugh, you know why that's not? You know why that watch. twelve hopper got through? Ned Yost believed. <laughs> he believed. He believed. God. Oh, get out of my face, Ned Yost. Um, okay, we, bef- should men- we should mention before we move on that the Minnesota Lynx won another title tonight. I was just going to do that. You win. You son oh, they bitch. did? That's final? Yep. That's final. That's a final. Guess how many points they scored. That's final, John. Pretty nice. Awesome. Nice amount, John. Uh, please say 69. Nice. Yes, they did. They scored 69? Sure they did. did. On the button. Sixty-nine fifty-two. So great! Three championships in five years. It's a lot. It's just they're the uh, like the San Francisco Giants level. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, they're really good. Nice. Maya Moore is pretty awesome at basketball. There's just no getting around it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, yep. Um, All right, good talk. Should we move on? I don't have anything more to say because I only watched one game out of the entire series. So, Just that one? No, just game four, as a matter of fact. The game they lost. Um, did Was that at home? That was a road game. It was. Did you Have you gone to any Lynx games? No, I. you know, I've never been. I think partially because it's in the summer. And so I just don't think of the Lynx as being a thing. Like, oh, I should go see some basketball on this bright sunny day. Right, right. Hockey, I mean, hockey would be the same way if it was played in the summer. Be like, uh, no, I'm not. You, I'm not go, going to go you would summer. go watch a hockey game in the summer. <laughs> I sorry guys, I got soccer in the summer. Also the winter, by the way. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't been to it either, which I just am reconsidering if I should start going. Like how fun they are to watch. Stu's been. Stu, how fun are they? I've been. Totally fun. They're absolutely fun, and kids kids love a blast. If you have younger kids, all they'll have an absolute blast. Okay. Well, well, they have. There's not a lot. There's not a lot of drunk miscreants. I mean, you're not you're not going to going to get shot at an NFL game and get egged on by fans of the the op- opposing team. So, I suppose yeah. I picked a poor Sorry, time to a, ask. Dallas Cowboys reference there. So. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's fun. Go bring the kids. Have fun. Go right. links. I'll put that on my to do list for ten months from now. Should have asked sooner. Aces. Yeah. Okay, uh, do you guys want to talk Vikings? Well, I guess. They're playing. Um, has anything changed in the last week? No. They are playing this week, whereas last they week they did playing. not play. They yes. did not, and they did not make any trades since the last trade they made. Yeah, so that's something. One interesting um, point um, from the last... One interesting point from the last podcast was when uh, Clarence was making fun of the trade because we, he thought we traded away a draft pick. That was that was good. I no. we had to tell him. Well, no, we got the draft pick back, and it didn't actually good. matter. Yeah, whatever. Because it, it was like a yeah, sixth no. round draft pick, and Rick Spielman like, forget, just, forget it, man. Spielman's at the bar by the time the six round starts. Oh, are we still drafting? I don't know. Just take somebody. Anybody who's left. We're going to cut Notre him. Notre Dame. Game. Yeah. Did he go to Notre Dame? That's perfect. That was really perfect. Right. Yeah. It was an odd trade, but, but yeah. whatever. I don't care. But Yeah. The Chiefs have uh, Charkandrick West as their starting running back this week. 
They the Chiefs do. lost um, to the Bears last week, and that's not good. Yeah. They're um, bad. Len Dawson is the starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah. Lady. Jan Stenrud's uh-huh. kicking for him. Uh, um, yeah, so yeah, it's, do you guys want to guess? It's a, it's a very winnable game for the Viking. Do you guys want to guess the line? Oh, I would say Vikings by five. John, you said four? I said four. John, I think you hit it on the head. It's, Did uh, I? As of this recording, it's Vikings minus four. So when you take away the hmm. three-point bonus for playing at home, they're saying that the Vikings are one point better than the remarkably terrible Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, yes, that's exactly to what's happening. To be fair, the Vikings have no healthy wide receivers. <laughs> Big deal, they had no healthy okay, wide I'm receivers. I'm sorry, they have, they have one, sorry, their one healthy wide receiver is Cordell Patterson, who can't get open. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> um, Ooh, not yeah. good. Which wide receivers are not playing this week? Um, like, who's out and who's merely questionable? Let's see. Wallace is hurt, but he says he's going to play. Okay, so Darius he's not Wright play. is hurt, who sa- and he says he's going to play. He's not going to play. Diggs is healthy. Thielen is healthy. Um, Charles Johnson the man is questionable. And, and Charles Johnson is questionable. And then there's Cordero Patterson. There's your six. Poor Boy. Teddy. Poor, it's poor just, Teddy. You know, Steve Diggs looks Steve Diggs looks pretty good though. He right? does. I'm on I'm on I'm on the Diggs bandwagon right now. Yeah, yeah. I'm all about him. He's um, my guy. All, now, now you guys follow the team a little closer than I do. Do you know is Kyle Rudolph still on the team? He's on the roster, yes. He has a uh, jersey still same number as last year. I think now, can he, you prove uh, this? I'm going. I'm going to need a little more proof than just your word. I will got, send some screenshots from the all twenty-two like, that I watched. We, I'm looking at the box score okay. from last week with, right now, be. and Kyle Rudolph had four passes thrown at him. He caught two of them for a total of seven yards. Mm-hmm. He's certainly now, bad um, at football. I, I, of course, am being facetious. I do. I do know that he's on the team. I think uh, Vensel had a good point in defense of Kyle Rudolph. Um, basically that they're keeping him in so Teddy doesn't get killed because the offensive line is terrible and Adrian Peterson can't block. Yeah. And I think that that actually probably is a point in Rudolph's favor. Although you would like it, you would like it if the passes that were thrown to him were actually, you know, completed and like good for 15, 25 yard chunks, like a good NFL tight end is good for. So I watched instead of two for seven. (laughs) I watched on well, four passes. I watched the last Vikings game on like one of those condensed things that just shows play after play after play, like somebody's working the remote really well. Oh yeah, how long does you, that, how long does that take to watch? It takes like thirty minutes, maybe. Cool, that's great. It's it's really kind of cool. Anyway, so I was watching on this, and I I had the sense from our conversation that's that fun. the Vikings offensive line had sort of been overrun, but seeing it in the condensed in the condensed format was just so much more stunning. Really? Because it's just <laughs> every time Teddy drops back, and you know he drops back six times in a three-minute span, every time he drops back, the Broncos are just overrunning the Vikings offensive line and teeing off on Teddy. <laughs> and when it's mm-hmm. happening during the game time, you're sort of aware that he's getting you can't... a lot. When it's happening, bang, 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 it's just like, wow. He just has to get back to the back of his job, pick a sideline, and start running for it. It's incredible. I mean, I, lo- I love the fact that Royce 
I love the fact that Royce is trolling Clarence by saying that he's Alex Smith is is the future Teddy Bridgewater, basically. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think you can make a fair judgment on Bridgewater at this point because this off this is just. I mean, I mean, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, nobody is going to do well behind that line. I mean, you have to have the quickest release possible, and even then, you're going to get just brutalized. It's just impossible to do well. I think. Uh, I, mean, I agree. And now Kansas, Kansas City's not as good as Denver. I mean, they're just not. No one so in the league is fine. as good as Denver. That line is fucking yeah. amazing. Um, but I mean, when you have a bad line to begin with, it's just going to just make it put it in very clear relief. You know how much he has to overcome to actually be an effective NFL quarterback. Uh, and that is the Teddy Bridgewater excuse hour, everybody. It is, but you know, if you look at the stats, it's only been a few games, but he's ninth in the league in in the. Uh, in the nerd stats as a quarterback, which is great. I mean, there's obviously a bunch of great. weird, you know, luck is like That's 30th. Selfie, by the, the way. If the morning Jesus, is selfie, in case anybody was wondering. I knew you were excited, you know, top 10 quarterback, but relax. Um, yeah, it's a very small sample size, and luck is like 30th in the list, which so it doesn't mean a whole lot, but he's at least holding his own. Uh, I still, I just will never understand what, uh, how offensive line, how they work and how you fix them and how you, I mean, they're like magnets. Oh, oh, okay, okay. There's your, you know, there's your insane clown posse reference there. Okay, thank you. Now I get it all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, they should. They have to. From what I'm hearing, the smart guys are saying they have to go on a little mini run here in the middle of the season because things are going to get bad uh, at the end of yeah, the season. There's no reason they shouldn't win the next three games. What about it's when Kansas did they get City, their uh, Kansas City, Chicago, Detroit? I mean, there's no reason not to win those three games. Yeah, I'm sure they'll figure out. I'll, I'm sure they'll figure yeah. out oh, some I'm sure cool they'll go different way one, that we but... hadn't even thought of just yet. Yeah, if they win two of those, I think. Well, they, they never, they yet? never win in Chicago. They never ever win in Chicago ever. Yeah, they haven't. Even when they're good, they don't years. win in Chicago. Since Fran Tarkin yes. the first game in 1961, they beat Bob they Avellini one year. When are they gonna get? When are they gonna get? Their offense, their hurt offensive lineman back. Don't they have one of them that's going to come back at some point? Sullivan, maybe. Sullivan, Notre Dame. There you go. Sully wasn't he just um, out seven, think, six, seven that, games that or something? Like an eight week thing. Eight week. Okay. All right. I think mid season was what they were saying. He so. was mid season and Lodeho was all season, which will help. He was. He was. At, he was. He's legitimately good at his job, or at least better than Joe Berger, who can't even pronounce burger right. God, how hard is it? You eat one all the time. It's burger, you fucking it's joker. God, I don't get it. I'm tired of it. Berger, Jesus Christ. French asshole. I grew up with a kid named Sam Burger. Damn right. Sam Burger? His, his, his parents were not very nice to him, apparently. Sam Burger? Should we name our son Samuel? Oh. Boy, what could the kids make out of that name? Did he kill his parents later? <laughs> no, he was a really nice guy. Oh, good for you, I'm Sam. sure he's very successful today. I bet he's a listener. I'll bet you anything he's a listener. I, I'm not <laughs> going to bet anything. I'm not going to bet anything. I tasked the sport of Zortonville listeners with finding out for me what Sam Berger is up to. <laughs> Please. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's move on to other sports. We'll, we'll give our official predictions on Twitter Sunday morning, as we always do. Um, um, for the Vikings game, but yeah, I don't yes. think there's a whole lot else to talk about. They hopefully will win. 
<laughs> we hope they win. We hope the offensive no, line maybe talks a little bit this week and thinks about who they could block. Yeah, coach them up. Thanks for what they've done and, and apologizes. Yep, apologizes first to us, then to Teddy, then to the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yes, the stadium is getting more done every day, and it continues to look like uh, an eyesore for the entire yeah. state. It's it not getting not better. Improved the more finished it has gotten. It's just getting uglier. Oh, God. Gross. It looks um, like a turtle emerging from the sea covered in seaweed. Bad. Bad. Okay, so I want to get to a couple other sports um, before we get to Ask Sportive. And we'll wait on the wild just in case Clarence stops in a little bit later. And because he's not here right now, John, I wanted to ask you, because he gets riled up, um, can you... Give a two or three minute overview on your opinion of uh, old Teflon Yergi, because Teflon it Yergi? sounds like people have turned on him a little bit. I know we talked about that a few weeks ago, and it, there's Tide been turned. there's there was a an article on Northern Pitch, John. I don't even know you may have written it. I don't think you did, but um, I did not. Okay, my good friend, my good friend Wes Berdine wrote it. West Wes Wesley Wesley Wesley. Uh, great article by Wesley, basically saying everybody should. He should be fire. It makes sense to fire him, but everybody needs to calm the hell down, just like screaming at every single thing he does or says, um, which I thought was an interesting take on it all. Um, there was another article I read in Deadspin that kind of gave an overview about um, you can kind of go both ways, but it seems like most people have turned on him. Are you are you there? And how, how there are you, I, I guess? Well... <sighs> The the weird thing about Klinsman is he's he's fairly clearly not a very good game day coach. He he's not very good at setting lineups or deciding what formation is going to be played or sort of the tactical side is it's not a strong suit and it's really not that surprising given that he he coached the German national team for a couple of years but their current coach Yugi Liv it's it's a hard name to pronounce and let's just all get past it. The current German coach was his assistant while he was coaching the German national team, and sort of his assistant was tasked with the day-to-day coaching, and Klinsmann got to be more of a <laughs> guru would be the wrong word, but he was sort of a he, – he was like Oracle. Bobby Bowden, like Bobby Bowden the last five years at Florida State when he wasn't actually coaching any football players. A good comparison would probably be Steve Spurrier, who just retired like in the middle of the week, just quit at – South Carolina because he was tired of coaching or golf season was starting or whatever. It was weird, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's not like Steve Spurrier was out there coaching them up and working with offensive linemen about their technique. Calisthenics. Yeah, leading leading practice and talking to the team. He basically was just meeting with boosters and calling plays on Saturdays, and that's about it. And that's sort of Klinsman's best role is something like that, where he's not so much – Coaching the team, he he's shown a real knack for coming for coming up with good players to substitute in during games. So the role that you sort of want Klinsman in is kind of that college football coach role, where he's there to chew out the official and make some decisions about whether to go for two or when to call timeout in the last two minutes of the game, just sort of little stuff, and then face the microphones after the game and try to motivate guys. But Klinsman's attitude the whole way through has been that it's less about him improving players and more about players improving themselves. Yeah. And the, the pop psychology of that would be that Klinsman was sort of a, 
a self-made player himself mm-hmm. that he sort of had to take his own effort to, and his own desire to be the the best possible player and use that to become one of Germany's best ever players. And so he's trying he's trying to find guys like that, guys who can do the same sort of thing for for the USA. It's just when you coach Germany, it's a little easier because everybody plays soccer and you've got you, you you've got a huge pool of people to choose from and you know German soccer was before Klinsman came in was sort of afflicted with some of the same things that the that the USA was afflicted with sort of a tendency towards defense and believing that somehow sprinting faster than the other team was all you really needed to be good at soccer rather than kicking the ball a lot so in, in some ways it was a similar thing but you have to remember that Germany they they won the European Championships in 1990. They won the World Cup in 1996, which was eight years before Klinsmann got there. They had reached the finals of the 2002 World Cup using this defense-first, boring strategy that basically depended on Michael Bollock defending, then picking up the ball, running the entire length of the field, and trying to score. So it wasn't like they were starting from nothing. And the USA was very much more starting from nothing. And they, I mean, there's a team that's qualified for seven consecutive World Cups, but has you can count the number of wins they've had at those World Cups on one hand. So right. it's it's not like they were starting starting high and Klinsman just needed to push them the the final way. He's he's still searching for some players like that, not just the best ones. So how um how much does a soccer coach matter in comparison to sports that we closely follow? Uh, I mean, during the game. During the game, yeah. I think I think there's a lot going on during the game. I it's like basketball, you know, maybe coaches, or hockey coaches are sort of throwing out lineups. I think basketball would probably be a good comparison. You're trying to obviously you have fewer substitutions to work with, so it's not very fluid in the sense that you can't just go on an endless search for the best five guys out there, or rest them, and stuff like that. You have to sort of pick them before the game and hope that things work out. But tactically, there's sort of a lot going on. So it's a lot of switching, you know, guys will switch sides and guys will move positions and this guy will move here and that and the other thing. So it's not, there's a lot of talk about formations and what that causes, but unless the team isn't making any adjustments at all during the game, I think the formations sort of matter less than you might think. One thing that Wesley uh, brought up that, that I really hadn't thought that closely about, which is weird because I'm usually, this is like the first thing I think about, is um, if if uh, if Klinsman was an American, he would be treated a lot differently than the way he is. The, is there any credence to that? Do you agree with that? The, I, I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. The funny thing about Klinsman is that when he was coaching in Germany and Oh, yeah, he was too American? He was way too American, and <laughs> yeah. now that he's coaching yeah. America, everyone's like, "Oh, he's German." They don't, they don't get America. Yeah, I just wonder because obviously the first thing he did when he came in was like, "You guys suck because you don't care about soccer, um, yeah. and if you want to be good, you need to start caring." And I have always thought that that was a good message and an important message and one that needed to be said. It's just really hard coming from an outsider. Just generally speaking, I think uh, I. Probably not as much as other people, but I know that's a very common, like, who the hell are you to whatever. Um, and that was part of the dead spin thing, where if you wanted to defend him, you would say, 
realistically looking at the state of U.S. soccer when it got here was this is going to take a really, really, really long time to get there. It's not just a few years away. It's really starting up from the ground up, and it, that hasn't really gone through yet. I don't think that's necessarily valid, especially when you talk about the uh, his actual coaching like during, during a match. But um, I just think it's an interesting thing to think about, too, of – Bradley was treated a lot better, even though he wasn't wasn't necessarily better. At least that's what the article said. I mean, I I don't know. That's just what Wesley Wesley's point was. It it's kind of a, a study in contrast because you've got a guy like Michael Bradley, and Bradley had an interview not too long before the Mexico game with Grant Wall of Sports Illustrated, and, and he Wall sort of hates Klinsman right now, right? <laughs> I'm sure everyone hates Klinsman, but yeah. he, Bradley sort of went on a long rant about you know, listen, I. I know that I got a lot of criticism after the last World Cup, but I'm willing to do anything that I'm told to help the team win. And, you know, this, that, and the other thing of basically saying, I played the way I was supposed to play, and I got a lot of criticism for it, but I'm just trying to help the team win in the way that I'm told to do it. But I think the point that... The thing that Klinsman really seems interested in is finding guys who are interested in improving themselves, not just waiting for the coach to tell them what to do. And when it comes to ta- when it comes to how the team is going to play and how they're going to line up and tactically what they're going to do, obviously that breaks down a little bit because it, you you need a little bit of an idea of all right, so this particular midfielder gets a little too far forward, and so he's going to be out of position, and so we should try to exploit that. Not just hey, I need you to be the best you possibly can today for me. All right, there <laughs> there's a certain amount of uh, of tactics that has to happen there, but. Klinsman's very much more interested in personal development than tactical advantages, I think. so. And, I mean, part of the thing was when he was with Germany, he was sort of supported by all these other people. He had an assistant coach, and he had sort of a general manager, um, Oliver Bierhoff, to take some of the criticism off him. And he had a really good analytics, you know, tactics kind of guy who did a lot of scouting for him named... We'll just call him John Marthaler. And <laughs> shoot, I was really looking forward to this one. <laughs> uh, Uri Siegenthaler. There you go. And we'll so just call him me. <laughs> he, he had an excellent support staff in place, which I'm not sure he has with U.S. Soccer, and partially that's his own problem because it's not like U.S. Soccer was hiring his assistants for him, and they're all guys that he brought in, and it's just not not particularly attractive i wouldn't think to be an assistant coach for the united states instead of being an assistant coach for germany or whatever so he he's sort of he's sort of interesting in that he has all of these jobs and has all of these things focused on him and some of them are just not things that he's ever going to be good at right i also think if you look at it from a lens of of if his point of view from the get-go was you suck because you don't care enough, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense when he called out Landon Donovan for you know not making the team because he wasn't working hard enough, and he called out Fabian Johnson for not giving it his all, uh, mm-hmm. and he calls out his players routinely for not staying in better leagues and they come home for a better paycheck. Those rub people the wrong way, and they should, and that's not a good manager style, but that all kind of wraps into the same feeling of like, if you want to be good, you don't do shit like this. Yeah, so in Donovan a way, I respect is, that, but I also think like you got to be better at some of these, the way you say things. Donovan is absolutely the anti-Klinsman in that he was a guy who 
was very clear about he was interested in doing things that were comfortable first, and he thought that made him a better player. So he didn't want to spend his time, you know, working with a top level club in Germany because it's dark and cold, and California is way better. Agreed. So it, I don't think it's surprised that. Klinsman and Donovan never got along because they're just sort of opposites and everything that Klinsman values in a player is everything that Donovan rejected in terms of his in favor of his own personal growth. Right. So the the weird thing is there's a lot of coaches that would be better coaches for the current US team. I mean, you can you can look at their last two coaches. Both of them were better better tactically and probably got better results out of the US than Klinsman ever will, but U.S. soccer didn't really bring him in to be a great game day coach. They brought him to sort of change the culture. And mm-hmm. That's one of those things that it's impossible to judge right now because it depends on the sum total of this, the cumulative, the cumulative improvements across this giant player pool of 80 or 100 players of how are the, all of them going to get better and how are all of them going to get to a better team where they can improve more and they can get better coaching and all that kind of stuff. So it it's going to be years before anything that anything happens like that. So if you're but, the decision maker, you keep Klinsman as the technical director, and you bring somebody in as the game day coach or something. Well, I'm I'm not sure you can because is Klinsman going to go for that? I don't think so. He's he's he likes being in charge of stuff clearly, and so what you want is to hire about four people to help him, but he has ultimate power. So I don't I don't know how you improve the current state without sacrificing mm. the possible future state. I I think it's worth considering at least just getting rid of him and finding someone else to make inter- incremental improvements, but is this how attractive of a job is this? Um you know, we as Minnesotans are are saddled with these teams that the you know, Timberwolves and Gophers and whatever else where you're like it would be great if we had this guy that could come in and transform, but that guy is not taking this job. You have to get so weirdly lucky. Is soccer like that, or is this a? Could they just get rid of him and find somebody to just change everything well, without getting in, insanely lucky? It's. I feel like it's hard finding people who are willing to coach national teams in any case because it's sort of a different job than just the week in week out of. Hey, I'm going to coach the team this week, and then we're going to practice three more times, and then I'll coach the team again next week. You spend a lot of time doing all this other crap about youth development and all sorts of stuff and so i i that's one of the things maybe the thing that people who want to keep klinsman rely the most on now is well who are you going to hire instead of klinsman mm-hmm. and i don't know the answer to that i i i, I wonder if I, I wonder if there's someone who could do the things that are klinsman is strong at that could also seed the things he's weak at, like game day coaching, yep. to someone who's better at it. Someone who's actually so, uh, inspirational, which is like a very important thing as a leader and not just constantly barking at everybody. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it. I think it's just a much longer time frame than it would be with a country that's actually good at soccer. Yeah. I think Klinsman could turn around Germany in a couple of years because all he had to do was just go in and be a lightning rod for criticism as he changes the conservative traditional ways of doing things in Germany and come up with a lot of great ideas and put them in place and all of a sudden things get better because you've got really good players who were also the product of sort of a revolution in the 
in the way that German youth teams were coached that started about 1998 or 2000. And so all of this stuff sort of comes together at one point and Klinsmann starts a, a revolution in the way Germany plays. But you can't, you can't really do that in the U.S. with the resources that we have dedicated to it. So I, I, you, you would think that one of the MLS coaches or the 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 American coaches that have kind of done this before, like your your Bruce Arenas or your Bob Bradleys or people like that, might be a better fit. But I don't know that they're making the USA better in the long run. Yeah, exactly. Better in the short term. I it's sort of hard to decide if you're the US how good you actually can be slash want to be at soccer. I mean, so why it, can't they be the best someday? If you can dream yeah, it, you can do it. Why not us? Why not? Someday. Someday. <laughs> but what the fuck? Why not? I don't know why America. Why does American exceptionalism stop with soccer? Is what yeah, it's odd to just be so defeatist about like we couldn't be good at soccer. Like, get a few Russell Westbrooks out there and it's over. The funny thing is, a yeah. lot the the American fan base mostly has this weird Teddy Roosevelt American exceptionalism. It's like, listen, I know we're not great at kicking the ball or scoring goals or passing to other team or to other players on our team. <laughs> and I know that in today's soccer world, virtually every player is incredibly, incredibly, in incredibly great shape and can sprint for the entire 90 minutes. And the entire style that's being played in both England and Germany and really all of the top European leagues is incredibly fast paced and high intensity. And so depending on our, fitness strength to win us games is absolutely foolish but darn it we're americans we are going to try harder we are going to be better and we are going to want it more so let's get out there and destroy people with our americanness and strangely this doesn't really work very well that's too bad there was sort of there was a sort of the the belief that American was on an inexorable upward trend at soccer. It sort of started when we got the 1994 World Cup and suddenly we're beating Colombia. And then in 2002, we beat Portugal and then beat Mexico. And it was like, yeah, here we come. 20, 2006 is going to be awesome. You know, we might we might just win this thing. What do you think, guys? And then they went to two, the 2006 World Cup and just got absolutely hammered. Yeah. So it's... Everyone was sort of so confused, and Bruce Arena got fired after that World Cup. It was like because he had the temerity to say things like "we were terrible" and the following guys were awful, and here's why. And they were like, "No, Bruce, we're awesome. We're Americans. Mm -hmm. We can't be terrible." So, what is it like to be a diehard U.S. soccer fan? Is it really defeating and just sort of like? like the Pistons of basketball right now or something where you're like, we we have no, no hope <laughs> no. for so many years or the Lakers or something where you're like, we thought, but we don't. It's, it's still sort of fun because the main competition in the area is Mexico and they are absolutely always in disarray. It's just, it's okay. kind of fun. Since Jurgen Klinsmann hasn't been around that long. He's been, he's been the coach for four years. Mexico's on their seventh coach in that span. <laughs> what? What? Their, their coach during the last World Cup, <laughs> he, he coached them to the World Cup, and they, they made the same round the Americans did. And then they won the Gold Cup this summer, and he got fired immediately afterwards because he punched a journalist in the airport on the way home. 
Wow. That is fun. That is fun. Well, you're going to have that. <laughs> three, four years ago, Mexico, everyone was like, wow, Good I times. think Mexico Good might times. be one of the best three, four teams in the world. And then they went to qualifying and just were absolutely terrible. And if the U.S. hadn't pulled off a miracle win over Panama, they wouldn't have made the you World hate to see that happen. Yeah. I feel bad for El Tree. I know you do, too. <laughs> no, I never feel bad for Mexico. Saturday was just, it was painful. Just a painful day in all stretches. But there's nobody who's just a U.S. soccer fan. Like, everybody has chosen another, like... Oh, there's absolutely just U.S. soccer fans. What are you talking about? They're the most popular team in America by far. No, I'm sorry. I mean, um, they also have other soccer teams that they cheer for to kind of... They don't just wait on a, soccer, on a U.S. match, right? Don't they cheer for... They pick up, like, Dana with Chelsea and you with Arsenal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think the that's the most... Uh, just because there's not enough going on for just U.S., don't you think? Or is that wrong? I, I think that's probably... Uh, but I got to believe there's just U.S. fans out there. Okay, I you figured... Know, people want to pay attention to soccer about three weeks a year. Oh, I, I thought... I, I guess I mean by, like, people who really love soccer, who are so oh, into the, soccer. They have yeah, to then, have something else, Then right? I'm sure they have other other teams they cheer for. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that's all I had for soccer. That's an interesting. It's just fun to talk about Klinsman because he's such a lightning rod. He, he, <laughs> I, I keep, every time I write about the U.S. in any way, I just end up writing only about Klinsman because it's just impossible. The team is so much about him and the way the team is structured right now is so much about him that it's impossible not to write about him. Well, and it's also, um, when you're writing about Klinsman, you're not writing about Klinsman in a way, right? Like you're writing about... Yeah. our expectations and Americans reaction to him and whatever. I feel the same way about, um, and I don't want to get into this man, but Donald Trump, like <laughs> we're very political podcast. People are just so like, I can't believe we're talking about, like we're not talking about him, right? We're talking about the fact that he's popular and why that yeah. is. And, and we're talking about the people belief who want systems him to be president. Exactly. Cause Yeah. There's we're been talking a thousand... about shitheads. We're just just saying we're talking about shitheads. We're talking... We've already lost the people who the Trump the Trump voters are already gone. It's it's fine. There have been they're not here. Thousands they're not of similar They've already fallen asleep in their own film. <laughs> <laughs> but there have been thousands of that of the of Trumps that have come and gone throughout the years. But the way this has taken hold is really about more about the people. That's just my point about Klinsman as well. So um we need to move on. We need to. We got a couple questions to get to. Um, first off, John, is there anything going on with the Wild that we that we need to discuss this week? Eh, no. They won. They won their first two games. One of them was a crazy comeback, yeah, right? One of them was a crazy comeback. One of them was a game they should have lost but didn't. So, Devin Dubnik, thanks for stepping up. Um, you guys, last week, uh, for those who missed last week, it was a full-on wild preview, um, which was really good. Thanks, Giles. Um, you mm-hmm. talked about how important the uh, Dubnik is to the – he's basically the key to the to the season and goalies in general and how um, undependable they are year to year. Uh, my only qu- quick question on that was, is that true for every goalie or is it just like there are a few guys who you can like, – like major league pitching, a few guys you can just count on. But the rest of them are so hit or miss, it's hard to know. There's basically Henrik Lundqvist and then everybody else. Really? Okay, okay. So the... Henrik Lundqvist, I think opposing shooters, they just they see him and they get lost in his eyes a little bit. 
and they stare into his eyes and then the next thing they know they're having a seizure because he's just so beautiful what a theory great theory that makes perfect sense to me yep um but there were guys like Broder and Balfour and Waugh and whatever. They were just always awesome, weren't they? Or was that not true either? Yeah, I think that is. I mean, there are obviously Hall of Fame goaltenders that are excellent much of the time. But, I mean, Patrick Waugh was a well-known crazy person. True. He's one of the greatest goaltenders that ever lived, and he's absolutely nuts. He's still nuts. He's Colorado's coach, and he's still... An- He's a legitimately crazy person. It's just a weird thing to think about an entire sport hinging on a guy, not an entire sport, obviously, but like a guy who you don't know if he's going to be good or bad, and there's no way to find out. You just got to put him out there. Well, I never, the I never realized it was that. Because of Mitch Williams, so I don't think it's just hockey. Well, I don't think it's about craziness. I'm talking more about the unpredictability of whether they're going to be good at their jobs or not. It's just wild. Never thought about it. It is wild. It's just very wild. Okay. Um, we have five quick sportive questions. Five? Four? One three? of them we should probably save until Clarence shows up. Because uh, it's a really it good about, Clarence question. It's about, it's about the, uh, the uh, Vikings general manager. Okay. You don't, oh, you don't yeah, want to do that one? We really should. We should keep that one on our quiver. Save it for next week. Because, I mean, that's, that's, that's his wheelhouse. He will go for 20 minutes about that one. I guarantee it. Okay. We might not even have to show up next week. All right. Ask the question and roll tape. We'll be fine. Good good teaser for next week. He's at a high week. school football game tonight. That's why he skipped the podcast, to go to a high school Fucking football game. high school football game. Happy MEA weekend, everybody. Uncle Rico at a high school football game, flexing for the kids. It's not even a Rosemount game either. No. Although I would have been pretty mad if I – because I went to a Rosemount game last weekend. And if Clarence had gone to one the next weekend specifically so he didn't have to hang out with me, I would have been furious. Furious and not surprised. Not that surprised. <laughs> I, no. I spent most of the week getting over him not inviting us to his cool barbecue. God, son of a bitch. Or his McMansion on the edge of town. Exactly. Um, here's a question from our friend Matt. If you could be in any band at any time in history, which one and why? Did either of you prepare an answer for this? I do have an answer for this. Okay. Yeah, I'm hoping I, Stu can leave. I have us. an answer as well, Stu. So, John, you can be last so you can think. Okay. Okay. Um, I would like to be in The Doors in 1967 so I could punch Jim Morrison in the face for being <laughs> such a bad poet. <laughs> That's, a That's a good answer, everybody. <laughs> nice pants are going to die in a bathtub. That was, fat fuck. That would be it for me. I was hey Jim. Maybe write a song about something other and if than you want to put nice pants. Yeah, nice pants, and you'll die in a bathtub. If I could have that as the show title, I'd appreciate it, or some variation <laughs> on that. That's nice. Pants I feel good about that. I was probably the only fourteen-year-old guy <laughs> who loved the Doors that wasn't a pothead in the history of planet Earth. The only people who like the doors are teenagers who just started smoking yeah. pot, right? <laughs> they're seventeen-year-old boys who are trying they to confuse freshman girls. Yeah, exactly, they they confuse like you know bad poetry with being deep, <laughs> or haven't heard any other solo. music at all. Like and it's just organ solo. Ugh. Yeah, it's uh, it's the worst. I regret that time in my life. Every, I mean, everyone has a doors phase. It's just you know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, 
I, I, and don't tell my dad I said this because he still loves the doors and it's just, wow. we don't talk about it. It's a thing. We, it's a can I've, I'm going to kick down the road until, you know, it's just not, it's just, yeah, it's we can't gone. talk about it. It's, it's bad. Gone. It's bad. Yeah. Um, I think every- so yeah, that's my, uh, that is, that is my answer though. So it's a good answer. Everybody has a doors fan. And then six years to the day of being over it, uh, of being over their uh, doors phase, they are now in a Led Zeppelin phase. It's two rights yep, of passage. That's exactly for what happened. Kids. It went right from doors into the Led Zeppelin. And it's, you know, just, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, my answer is not as funny. I would choose uh, Guns N' Roses, 1987, Los Angeles, California. Mostly for the chicks. <laughs> and, and the it's, top hats. And it's LA, and they were like the coolest motherfuckers in the world at the time. Um, and every they, they were at the heart of the... I'm curious about that 80s scene when dudes were just wearing the tight pants and just teasing out their hair and shit because it's just so weird to me. So mostly out of curiosity, like, but then they were also... Hyper-masculine really dudes and, you know, with Rose in particular with all his sort of homophobic lyrics. Yeah. Only they're like, have... They're using more hairspray than any woman alive. <laughs> yeah. In leather pants. I mean, thy doth protest a little too much there, Axel. <laughs> yeah, I'm <not> kidding. <laughs> Yeah, but they were in the middle of that scene, so it would be kind of fun to live through that. But they were also a really awesome band, you know, not like, I don't know, Motley Crue or what. Maybe they were good. I don't fucking know. I'm just, they were they were awesome. I just can't imagine how fucking great it would be on stage to be singing Sweet Child of Mine and have it be your song and, like, have his voice. His voice was great, too. So, um, and L.A. is cool and in conclusion, chicks. Chicks, man. Women everywhere. Uh, John, do you have one? I think my entire answer depends on whether I know what I know now or if I'm living it for the first time. You know what I mean? Yep. Am I going back in time to be a part of this band? I I think just the rule, it's, it's, it's up to you. All right. I would like to go back in time and be a part of either journey or the scorpions in the eighties. Cause it would be awesome to hear both of those groups argue about musical things like discuss <laughs> whether <laughs> discuss whether, you know, I, I really just don't feel like this fits with the point of the song guys. It's cheesy power. It's, no one gets a shit. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You're not very good at this. Just play this in a, or if you go with something like G minor, it's just, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> yeah. going to be the same cheesy song anyway. And then you could be, I think journey had that one video, uh, someday love will find you like the most embarrassing. Yep. Separate ways, the most embarrassing music video of all time. You could be there knowing what you know and just being a part of it and just laughing your filming, ass off the whole time. Somebody's directing somebody's directing this video and being like, I want you, Steve, I want you to stand against this brick wall. <laughs> yeah. And I want you to just imagine that your father has just died and the only thing you can do to connect with him, the only way to bring him back from the dead is for you to put every ounce of your heart into this song and bring it through the camera. Just Sing to the camera and make this seem like the most cheesy, the, the cheesiest song that was ever written. Just put all of this emotion into it, and I'm going to film it in a way that makes you look like the biggest clod on earth. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Jay John, you want to get in this one? Nah. 
Nope. No, I'll, uh, I just I'm I'm here to watch. I'll sit guys. out, guys. I'll sit out. No worries. <laughs> Not feeling no great today. There's no in this song, so I don't need to be here. I just like being here. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine the mountains of cocaine that were at that shoot. <laughs> Just a fucking wheelbarrow. Oh, oh boy. That would and be somehow good. I imagine Steve Perry lecturing every, everybody to drink enough water and eat some fruit or something like that. I don't know why. Yeah, I just no, feel that's... like he would have been way into hydration. Totally. Uh, okay, good question. Matt, thank you. That was re- actually really good. Um, from other Matt. Um, thank is... you, Matt Prom. Yep, Matt Prom. This is uh, other Matt. Uh, is there a sport of consensus, consensus on Juicy Lucy's? I believe Clarence is weighed in on saying overrated. Um, I also feel the same. Do either of you have a... Can that be yeah, our consensus? Because the meat gets too... Uh, meat gets overcooked. Why Why get fancy with a burger? What was wrong with the regular cheeseburger? I think that's the correct assessment. Okay. Yeah, they're good, but why? Yes. You know what I mean? Totally. Thing is, I don't mind juicy. I really don't mind juicy. I really don't mind juicy Lucy's, but it's a valid point: is that they do get overcooked. I like them in the same way I like cheeseburgers. Um, I like I like a little I like a little pink in the burger. I think I'm with you. Yeah, um, we're listening, Stu. Did we lose him again? (laughs) I think we lost Stu. I just just, a little a little. No, I'm here. Okay, good, good. Okay, good. Can you no, I, hear me? <laughs> can you hear me? Yeah. Yes, we can hear you, Stu. Everything's fine. Okay. So, I mean, Juicy Lucy's, it's like... I like cheeseburgers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for weighing in. Why, why, do they have to, why do they have to also burn our mouths? Yeah, they set I it down like, here's your burger. Uh, just stare at it for 20 minutes, and yeah. then you can eat it. Why why not have a cheeseburger that's not the same temperature as the interior of an active volcano? God, I know. I mean, Heggie's has that same issue. <laughs> or lots of matzah, both of them. So fucking frustrating. Especially, I'm making it home and I'm hungry, obviously. And yep. I forget that it's an hour and a half from cook until I, when I can actually eat it. Yeah, here's your food. Don't eat it. It will kill you. Here, now go run errands and come back. Leave it on the counter. <laughs> uh, Tell it, you what, we'll leave it here. We'll watch it for you. Yes. Uh, here's another question that um, Stuart wanted us to ask, and I I don't really know why. How tall is Jake Gyllenhaal? Show your work. Um, that's from Drew McFrizz, Drew I believe. McFrizz. Um, Just I for believe that name. he's six foot two. Yeah, six foot two. No. Show your work. And I think this because um. In the movie um, Donnie Darko, he seemed to be a little taller than the actress Jenna Malone, so I'm going to say six foot two. Jenna Malone's like five foot one. A lot taller. I should have said a lot taller. A lot taller. <laughs> I'm going to say he's five seven because they're all so short, and he's a little bit taller than the rest of them, and he's lying about his. That height. is true. Many Hollywood actors are short. Quite small. Yeah. They're quite small. I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal is five foot eleven. How are we John? going to settle whether we were right? That's it. It's a sportive fact. We just, you know, that's all we got. Uh, wrapping up today, uh, our friend Brian. His um, quite, bl- sorry, Stu. Go ahead. Um, according to Wikipedia, he is six foot even. He is six foot even, which means five seven because they're lying. I win. Yep, because somebody's publicist put it on Wikipedia. No, he's, oh, he's, he's six feet tall. He's 
Six feet tall. Well, no. Do we have? Are there any pictures on the internet of him next to Tom Cruise? Because I think it's fairly well known. Tom Cruise is like five foot three. Yeah. Has Has Jake Gyllenhaal been in a police lineup without his lifts on? Because that usually shows that height thing. At least it does in like Usual Suspects. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. It's really important. Um, okay, we're coming up at the end of our time. Um, I mean, there's no deadline on time, but it's just we're coming at the end of me wanting to talk. Brandon's we'll um, so sick of us that he just can't handle much longer. Last question here is not a question. <laughs> it just says beer and Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Brian Moby wanted us to Brian E Moby Brian Mon uh, oh, wanted us to Brian Moby Brian Moby. First, <laughs> first of all, Brian, sorry, sorry. Um, um, let's see. Um, have you had any good beers? Oh, Brandon. Yes. Um, did you have any good beers in New York? Uh, yeah. yeah we uh, forgot to talk about New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. we can do that here. Let's do that. Um, we, he can talk about what he did and drank in New York. Well, I'll keep this short because we did a lot and I could go on for a long time, but, um, <clears throat> my wife, my wife, uh, hadn't been right. since she was a teenager. Mm-hmm. So, we only had two days and we wanted to get uh, to see as much as we possibly could. So I researched about a million things to do. Um, so very briefly, uh, day one in the morning, we did a Chinatown walking tour and we went and got banh mi's and pork buns and pork pancakes and sushi and noodles and all this other fun stuff um, throughout Chinatown and Little Italy. And then we went to Brooklyn and did a bar crawl in Brooklyn and had um, great beer and really sweet rooftop bars and ended up in some weird ass, uh, club in the back room where there was like a secret concert going and it was terrible. Uh, but probably in some cool <laughs> way that I, I will like it in six years. Um, a bunch of weirdos in Brooklyn that, and then day two we did central park and then we did Chelsea and then the financial district and then West village and just sort of I said it on Twitter, but I really do believe it. The way to do New York is to treat it like a giant state fair. Um, walk everywhere, snack all the time, and share dishes, um, and just people watch for your entertainment. And that's what we did for two straight days. I walked the equivalent of 12 miles a day, I think. Um, so I was sore for like three days uh, and just ate a bunch of... I had One day I had pizza twice and wings twice which was just astounding. And I had another wow. meal on top of that <laughs> and some snacks. It was fucking crazy. I can't believe how many calories that was. The um, world famous food options in New York city truly are astounding. <laughs> if you got pizza and wings twice. Yeah. Where the, else will you find such foodstuffs, but in the big apple, the, uh, the pizza though, was... are you sure you aren't in St. Cloud? <laughs> it doesn't make it sound good, but the pizza was like the legitimate New York pizza, which is my favorite thing on, on the planet. So, Danielle had gone home earlier than me and my buddy, and after the bar on Saturday, we walked to this place called Ben's in the Village, which is, has the best pizza. Um, it's right down the street from where Louis, uh, there's another pizza place that Louis in the, the opening credits of his show, and uh, there's the comedy cellar right there. It's right down the street from that. Anyway, so we walked back and woke Danielle up and made her eat this gigantic slice of pizza. You know, it's the size of a fucking, you know, laptop. And uh, she just sat up and ate the whole thing because it was so good. <laughs> so that was fun. And Brandon has never never loved his wife more than that moment. Yeah, it was, she was like, "Oh my god, I'll take one bite." And then she just sat up and pounded the entire thing. So that was cool. Damn right. Um, 
but yeah, no, if anybody has any questions or wants any tips on where we went to find these fun, cool things, um, let me know and I can share you, share my uh, itinerary with you. But um, no, I think New York... Did you have a, did you have a uh, New York-centric beer? Mm, Green Flash is, uh, I think it's a New York beer. Um, we had... I think that's San Diego. Oh, is it? Yes. Okay, that's right. Um, God, there was another one. I forget what it was called. Holly sent me a couple of them um, that are from out there that we had. There's a Brooklyn Summer Ale. I had one of those. Uh, but the bar, one of the bars we went to had Grapefruit Sculpin. So I just had 500 of those. There you go. An epic hangover. Um, <laughs> but no, New York's the best, but... Uh, I can understand why would people would hate it, but to me, it just seems like this big challenge of like, can you go to this city and do the thing you want to do and not get your ass kicked just in general by this city? Um, <laughs> it's, it's very challenging because right. you can just, New York can just kick the shit out of you if you don't get lucky or tr- work hard enough or whatever. You just think there's a cool bar down the street and you take a wrong turn and all of a sudden you're two miles away and you're in a, the worst bar on the planet and each beer is $17 and you can't find a cab and your whole day is ruined. So that can happen if you don't really, really, really work at it. So I always just see that as like an inherent challenge of like, I'm going to conquer it. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like my days to be as difficult as possible. It's tr- I mean, if you don't get a kick out of that, then it's I guarantee, or I don't guarantee, but I can totally see being like, this is the most miserable place on the planet. I like to do that in Minnesota. Like when it snows, I will forget my shoes just to see if I can get through the day without getting pneumonia. <laughs> That's what I'm interested in. Should well, I wear a coat today? No, it wouldn't be enough of a challenge if I protected this exposed skin on a day below zero. It's sort of like if you had a friend in town and you wanted to do it. It happens a couple of times. It happened a couple of times this summer where there was like a Twins game at noon and then a Saints game at seven. Or the other way around, and you were like, "Oh, we want to do that," but I also have, I also want to go to Black Sheep with them, and Butcher and the Boar with them, and Birch with them, and we're all going to do it by light rail or whatever. Yep. Where it's like, if you can do that, that's the greatest day you've ever had. And if you don't, and you miss a couple of them, and you don't make the game on time, and you forget to get tickets, then it's just it was worthless and a nightmare, and, and you hate everything about it. And why did you even try that hard? It's like that. <laughs> I'll tell you. You know? Dave and I did try to do that once. We were going to do the Twins game at noon and the Saints game, which was at 6 or 7. And we went to the Twins game. And then after the Twins game was over, we went to the Red Cow in St. Paul. And then we decided we'd have enough fun. We'd had enough fun for the day and we went home. Yeah, totally fine. But you live here, so, right? So like, you, it's hard to do that in New York when, again, the whole point was like Danielle no, had been there to be like... it's very easy to do that in New York. Oh, it is. It, in your it, hotel room. It is. I just wonder. I was just worried that we would do that. You know, we'd go to the first bar in Brooklyn and be like, this is fucking great. Let's not move. That we would end up regretting it. I don't know. I mean, I probably pushed us too hard. We went to like six bars in four hours. But, um, you know, it's... Well, it's I appreciate I appreciate your desire to get the most out of life. Kind of push. Know. Yeah, whatever. So, that's uh, that's our beer talk. Stu, have beer you had talk. any good beers lately? And um, I managed to grab the last four pack of sir, uh, my local uh, liquor store, like the last three of the last four weeks. So I'm pretty happy about that. What? Pseudo Sue. It's um, a uh, American pale out of uh, Decorah, Iowa. 
and it's phenomenal. Huh. I agree. It does taste great. It's got so... Uh, I'm, this is going to sound s- stupid, but I feel like it's got more body than a pale ale usually does. Like it's, It's got a lot yeah. of things going on. There's more there there. Yes. True. It's a really good beer, and it's from Decorah, Iowa, of Luther College fame, and it's just super good, and it's in four packs, and... If you get to your liquor store on Monday, it'll be there. And then if you get there on Tuesday, it won't because they only show up like at the start of the week. So they make 10 bottles a week. And if you don't get one of them, anyway, that's the beer I had. <laughs> Roughly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And um, the Taylor guys... Swift portion. Um, no, hold on. I want to talk about beer for one more second. Nothing yes. I have to add about Tay Tay. Can, okay. can, you, can you explain to me why Surly Wet is a thing? too um it's they basically it's a it's a fresh hopped beer it's also called wet hopping so i mean it's literally like they brew it it's not you know sitting around for like three months before it gets to you it's it's like made hopped and it's there so it's like it'll also like it'll also like go bad quicker i think so is it, um, is it's it not promoting beer in your bathtub, which is not safe clean bath. I'm starting to realize Stu is on like a nine second delay when we ask him <laughs> questions. No, no it, is, it is not promoted as such. <laughs> okay, John, I'm going to field this question. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's okay, dude. It's okay. It's very it's funny. Bad. Back to the old days of the podcast. I know, I know. The best part about it is I think it started out at the start of the podcast like one second or a half a second, and it just keeps getting longer now, which is just, just delightful. Uh, John. No, hold hold on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Go ahead, Brandon. It's uh, so hops are like a flower; they're like a plant, you know. So the fresher they are, the better they taste. You can't usually make fresh hop beer because of the processing. It they buy them, then they're uh, they're made somewhere else, or they have to process and put into a beer and let it sit for a long time. Yada yada yada. So it's really time. Um, it, it's really challenging to make a fresh hop beer. So. Um, uh, breweries do it all the time, of course, but Surly hardly ever does it, and they're the best at what they do in basically every way. So when they do a fresh hop beer, people flip the fuck out, um, and it's a seasonal thing as well. And so, and to further that, last year they, I think they tried it and it didn't turn out, or so, for some reason they didn't have it last year. So it's been two years since Surly Wet has been around. Um, so people are, uh, yeah, they're going ape shit. So do hops not grow in Minnesota? Uh, no, they do. I think like any sort of plant, they they can grow here, but they are better in other places. Mm. And different variations are better from different parts of the country. So I'm a little bit over my skis here because I don't know the exact like specifics. Grapes. But uh, yeah, there you go, yeah. like wine grapes. Um, um, I don't know the exact specifics, but I feel like there are a lot of times when you have a fresh hot beer, they're like, these were just... Uh, pulled from the farm or whatever in I don't know Washington State or Oregon or Idaho or somewhere that just has different soil and weather than here, and they've just brewers will like go and test them and try them around the country or even around the world. There are places in overseas that uh, that have supposedly great of different strains of 
centennial hops or mosaic hops or citra hops or yada 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 um but i think it's the the process of doing it so quickly and putting it into a beer and having it taste extra fresh that that really makes people go they go bonkers john well i'm going to add this to my arsenal of beer explanations right right next to the time that i tried to get holly to explain what a sour beer was and i ended up saying something like so they put a bucket full of beer in a room and then they (laughs) throw a bunch of yeast in the air and close the door (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's totally right actually you you nailed it yeah Uh, my technical knowledge of beer making is sketchy at best yeah yeah okay um, we should be done. This has been a long one and we're out of things to talk about. What we, a happy one. It it's was a good, a good one. one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we finally had our first civil soccer. Yes. Uh, conversation. I wonder why it's, this one was the civil one. I, I can't quite put my finger on what made today's different than any other conversation, but, uh, Clarence is going to be so furious on Twitter or I mean, if he listens, he may not even listen to this. He's probably got better things to do, but he probably won't listen. I do. I think that he's uh, right about Klinsman for sure. But I, I was surprised at the initial, at the onset, when Klinsman's message was like, "You guys are bad because you don't try hard enough. Try hard and you'll be better." Whether that was right or wrong, again, he, I'm sure he's wrong. I thought that that would be. A, I thought that was like a, a fish food for a Clarence type to be like, "Oh, I love hard nosed." I love a so he's so zimmerish, you know, but he didn't like it. And, so. he's, and he's German like Clarence, so you'd think that they'd get along swimming. <laughs> I honestly did think if I for, when I read the first article about Klinsman that like you know, when I mentioned, hey, I kind of like that. I thought I was doing that as like a we're gonna get along, and then he he did not he did not agree nope. with that statement. So um, yeah, fire Klinsman for all I care, but um, try harder, people. Mostly. I think my opinion right now is trying to get over my feeling on Saturday when I just, I was so angry and wanted someone to hurt. Like I felt hurt. So I wanted everyone fired. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm, now I'm trying to pretend that that wasn't my reaction by having a very nuanced, thoughtful opinion on the whole situation rather than my opinion on Saturday, which was let's burn it all down, (laughs) burn it to the ground. Starting with, Klinsman and moving on to the entire country of Mexico. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right for you, John. But you know what? Uh, Cooler heads have prevailed. Angry person. (laughs) Oh, boy. And you're still probably more reasonable than 95% of the sports fans of the world. (laughs) Hey, those are our listeners. That's that's the place where we live. The house we live in is an angry house. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. Well, we are um, we are just we're out of time. We're out of time. So, thanks for listening, everybody. Come back next week. We'll talk Vikings. Um, We'll we'll uh, we'll get to this question that we wanted to ask Clarence. I'm sure he's going to yell at us about our soccer takes. Um, Hopefully, we can talk about a couple big Blue Jays and Cubs victories. Uh, More to come. Yeah, and Acast, if you're listening, I'm all ready to talk about stamps.com whenever you get around to that. Hey, so. we will talk about Don't you just hate going to the post office, everybody? See, look, that was a little teaser that we could just <laughs> yep. continue. Friends, continue. let me tell you about stamps.com. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, that's enough for us. We love you very much. Goodbye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.